Amen. Will you open your Bibles to John chapter 1, please? And please, if you forgot your Bible today, or even if you were just maybe planning on looking at your phone, I encourage you to grab one of the Bibles in the seat ahead of you. Uh, we just refreshed that, and we should have plenty for today to open up a physical copy of God's Word. I think it's important, especially as we're looking at John chapter 1, as we're talking about the Word that was there in the beginning with God and was God. And especially when we come later to the part in verse 14 where John writes, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. There's something significant about us holding a physical copy of God's Word and recognizing that the Word came and dwelt among us. The, the spiritual became, became physical and lived among us and is now reigning on high in heaven for all days. We're just going to look at three verses today, starting at verse 6 and going on to verse 8. I'll read that and then we'll pray. Verse 6 of, first, of John chapter 1, pardon me. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light. He came to bear witness about the light. Will you pray with me again, please? Lord, the first few lines of that last song we sang are truer in this moment, perhaps, than they were um, just a moment ago, as true as they were then. We need you now as we've heard your word. We need your spirit to apply the truth of it to our hearts. We need your spirit to humble us and to break us apart if necessary, to break us to pieces, to humble us, to make us lowly so that we might recognize who you are and put our trust fully in your word this morning, not in ourselves, especially as we think about the fact that John was called to be a witness. And the application is very clear for us today that we are also called to bear witness to the light. Lord, I know in our hearts already, we're probably thinking, well, that's not something I'm going to worry about this week. Or perhaps that's just not something I'm good at. Maybe it's not something I feel comfortable with. But Lord, would you reveal that the true light has shown in our hearts if we are indeed your people. And that is all that is necessary for us to be witnesses. We simply need to be with you, to abide with you, and to recognize that Jesus has come at Christmas time so that we might believe and be a witness this Christmas to those around us. We ask now for your help. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this beautiful first chapter of the Gospel of John, as unique as it is amongst the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, John takes a break at verse 5 from this very uh, transcendent topic of the God who was with God, who was in the beginning with God, and who made all things, and in him was life, and that life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then he stops for a second from the grandeur of this big picture, and he zooms in on one guy. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. 
We probably all know that this is not John the Apostle. This is John the Baptist. And so we have to keep that in mind. And, and I'm going to be careful as I'm talking about the two Johns today, not to get them confused. So remember, there is John the Apostle, the one who followed Jesus, the brother of James, the author of this book, and of the three letters, um, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, that come afterwards. And then there was John the Baptist. And I want to ask you a question today. If you could pick one word from what you remember about John the Baptist to describe him, what would it be? And I, I wouldn't mind if you answered it. Oh, that's pretty good. I like that. Where were you during sermon prep this week, Chad? Come on. Man. All right, we're going to start over and we're going to use Chad's illustration. <laughs> what else? Flashlight's good. That's, that's really good. But you can top it. Come on. What else do we know about John the Baptist? Yeah, go ahead. Yes. Strange diet, right? And I didn't even consider until I read the Jesus Storybook Bible why locusts and honey. He probably needed the honey to dip the locusts in so that, you know, the taste wasn't so crunchy and buggy, right? Yeah. Well, that kind of leads into the word that comes to my mind when, when I think about John. Of course, when I think about John, we're thinking about the baptizer, the baptist, the preacher, um, the, the man who, you know, you imagine with a long, crazy beard and long hair, dressed up in camel's hair, eating locusts and wild honey. He's a weirdo, right? Very strange person. Not somebody we would expect to be the forerunner to announce the coming of the king, not one who we would think would be a flashlight to be talking about the light, though he himself is not the light, but bearing that light before the light actually comes into the world. He was the forerunner. He was the one who came before. John the Baptist was a strange person. And again, it's strange that John the Apostle, in writing about this wonderful, again, transcendent topic of the God-man, and who he was before he became human as well. This amazing thing, God, uh, God has never changed for all of eternity. And yet in the mystery of the incarnation, we see God becoming something he never was before. So why John? Why does, why does John bring up John the weirdo, the baptizer? This guy that, you know, we would look at and say, boy, I, I know he's important, but really you're going to break right here? This interruption of the coming of Christ? And we know this is an interruption, right? Because look at verse 9. He goes right back to talking about the true light, who Jesus is. John the Baptist shows us the means by which the light of all mankind comes to everyone. Because we see that in his purpose. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. This is God's plan for announcing the coming of the light. You know, our Advent series this year centers around four action words from the first 18 verses of John chapter 1. So last week we talked about, uh, in the first, uh, excuse me, five verses of, the first of this chapter, we talked about life. And the light of life. And so that first verb would be live. And now the second week we're talking about believing. This is what John's purpose was. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Sorry, earlier, that all might believe through him. Last week's 
message ended with the idea of lingering in the light of life. This week, we're looking at these three verses, introducing the witness to the light. And so the main point today is to recognize that God is pleased to commission his creation to testify to his son. As those who are not the light but know the light, we must in all things bear witness to him in the darkness of the world that we live in. And this is to God's pleasure, to his enjoyment, to his glory, what he has deemed to be good. Jesus did not come as a conquering king, did he? He came as a baby, unexpected. We'll talk more about the expectations next week of that first Christmas. But, but certainly as we think of the plan of God and what is it that you're really doing here? You're sending a savior and a hero to make all things in this dark world right. And so what do you send us? A seemingly helpless baby. And who is it who will announce that once this baby has grown up that they are to be the king? A weirdo out in the wilderness eating locusts and wild honey needs a haircut and dunking people in the Jordan River. God is pleased to commission his creation to testify to his son. And it started with John. And in one way, when he, John the apostle tells us that John the Baptist came so that all might believe through him, there's truth to say that the, the fact that you believe today is due in part to the testimony of John the Baptist beginning the ministry of the gospel, beginning to pronounce that there would be one who would come after him. And I don't want to get too much into the testimony of John because if you look down in your Bibles at verse 19, we'll get a lot of that detail in a few weeks. Well, actually, we won't be in there in a few weeks. A little bit of a side note here. We will be breaking at the beginning of January and studying the book of Ruth. And then once that's over, we'll come back in February and continue the gospel of John. But soon enough, we will see what John the Baptist has to say. But today, before we even hear John speak a word, we have to examine the commission that God has given him. And we have to ask ourselves the question, if it so has pleased the Lord to commission his creation to bear witness to his son, let's start with this question today. Do you want to please God? How often is that on your mind? can be honest with you today, I think, and say that I do have that on my mind regularly and almost assuredly on Sunday mornings when I wake up. And we'd all love to be able to say that we wake up saying, Lord, here I am. What would you like me to do today? How can I serve you? How can I glorify you? Right? We'd all love to be able to say that. That, that expression of faithfulness would be a beautiful thing. But as as infrequent as that is in my life, I realize that the times where it has become regular, that request of the Lord has come out of desperation and sometimes out of just utter fear on a Sunday morning. I got to go do this preaching thing again, Lord. I need you and I want to glorify you, but I also just want to get through this thing, right? I think sometimes when we think about our Christian life, our Christian living day to day, we probably think more about, I just want to get through this thing. I want to make it out alive. I don't, want to, I don't want to put as much effort as I've been putting into the Christian life only to find out at the end 
you know, to hear you say, I never knew you, depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. Maybe not in every area of life, but certainly there's something that you might be able to recognize and say, there is that area of my, of my life where I don't necessarily want to shine, but I just want to make sure to get through it. I just want to make sure that I get my taxes done before April 15th, maybe. I don't know, whatever that thing is. I just want to skate by, get the minimum, get like a C plus instead of an A, right? There's those kind of things in our lives. And I hope that in thinking about pleasing God and bearing witness to what we believe, that that element of our faith would not simply be something where we'd say, Lord, I'd just like a passing grade on evangelism, please but that it ought to be something we want to excel at. Because, brothers and sisters, when we do face God, when we are in eternity with him where the kingdom is complete and we will enjoy his presence forever, there will be no more evangelism. You won't get a do-over. You won't get to say, oh, now I've seen you. Oh, how I could tell the multitudes, how I could just drop what I'm doing and go and talk to people down the street and, and go. You won't be able to do that. I mean, we will. We'll be telling each other of the glories of Christ for all of eternity, right? But it won't be evangelism anymore. There will be no more conversion. What is done will be done. And at just the right time, Jesus Christ came as a baby to become the savior of the world. And he chose kind of a weirdo to be his forerunner. Now, I'm not going to call any of you weirdos today, okay? But there's probably something in your mind right now that you could attach to and say, this is my reason that I don't really think too much about being a witness. And it may be because I don't think that people really uh, care to hear what I have to say. It might be because I don't really feel like I know enough, or it might be because I'm just so dreadfully afraid of how they would respond. But God commissioned this weirdo, John the Baptist, to go out into the wilderness. Just picture this. Wearing camel's hair. What if God told you, I want you to be my witness, and here's your uniform. It's made out of camel's hair. He hasn't told you to do that, has he? I hope not. I don't know. Nobody, I don't see any hands coming up. But this is the condition in which John came to bear witness. And what was his goal? That all might believe through this weirdo. This was God's plan. This is what he wanted to do. And if we want to please him, we ought to be on board with what he is doing. This is John the Apostle's whole purpose in writing this book. You can see it in chapter 20, verse 31, towards the end of the book. He says that these things were written so that you might believe that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ, and that in believing him, you might have life. So even to chapter 20, we see John using light and life again from the beginning to the end. You'll see it through the whole of the book as well. Witnessing will also be something that we see very often. You see John speak about it throughout the entirety of his book. John the Baptist, Jesus, God the Father, the woman at the well, John the Apostle, all of them bear witness to the light of life. And let's pause there for just a second and think ahead to John chapter 5 where that woman at the well is going to become such an influencing witness in her community. And who was she? Literally a nobody. 
literally somebody who wasn't even socially accepted in the regular patterns of life, but had to go and function in her life alone so as not to embarrass herself or make anyone else feel awkward about her past. We see here that God has commissioned John, who was simply this in verse 6. Look at it with me again. There was a what? A man. Now, this is not to say men are to be witnesses and women are not. That's not the point here. But the point in this simple description of John that that John the Apostle starts off his book with in verse 6 is to say that he didn't say, now there was this really great preacher. Or there was this guy who, boy, he could really baptize a crowd. Or, oh my goodness, he baptized Jesus, you guys. Or did you see him talking to the Pharisees, calling them a brood of vipers and whitewashed tombs? Well, that was Jesus that said the whitewashed tombs. But, you know, he really rebuked those Pharisees, and we really like that, right? You don't get any of that in the beginning of this. Who was he? He was just a man. Perhaps that harkens to you the idea of uh, James when he talks about Elijah. And he says Elijah was a man just like any of us. The point is, is the fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Well, it's not necessarily the action of that prayer. It's not that because I prayed, God says, whoa, that was quite a prayer. It's about who the prayer is delivered to and who is empowering the witness. Because again, John the Baptist was like a flashlight carrying the batteries of Christ. I don't, is that what you were going for, Chad? He said, yes, great, okay. <laughs> John the Apostle, in emphasizing witness throughout this book that we will be studying further, makes it so clear that contact with this word who was made flesh necessarily results in bearing witness. If you have, here's the flashlight illustration. If you have the light of life and the button is switched to on, you can't not bear the light, right? That's it. Yes. Good. Charles Spurgeon said in regards to Christmas time, when the Lord Jesus has become your peace, remember there is another thing, goodwill towards men. Do not try to keep Christmas without goodwill towards men. Christmas is my favorite time of year. And I'll just tell you that every year that you let me preach, I love Christmas. And I don't, <laughs> I don't love it so much that I'm constantly bearing witness to the light of life like I ought to be. But in my enjoyment of Christmas, I need to re- remember the reason for the season, right? We see that all the time. Oh my goodness, Facebook's going to be flooded with that for the next three weeks. Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is the reason for the season, right? See it in yard signs. People take out their, their Trump and Biden signs and they put the Jesus is the reason for the season signs in. It's true, though, is it not? And the joy that we ought to feel. Boy, when we got our Christmas tree out, and this was week three of quarantine, by the way, Nora, Nora's life changed. She was bored out of her mind. She was being very good. But when the Christmas decorations came out, everything was different. She was skipping around like she normally would be. She was excited. She had something to do. She was putting decorations all around, and Lucy was following her around trying to figure out what she was doing and how she could be a part of it. And all that necessary joy of something new 
resulted in a change of scenery around our home. Probably too early for some of you as far as Christmas decoration goes. But necessarily her demeanor, her outlook, her plan, the way she spoke with me and with my wife and with others on the phone changed because Christmas was happening. She doesn't even really get it, folks. She said something about Santa Claus the other day, and I said, and I'm like, man, what does Nora know about Santa Claus? I don't really know what she knows about it. So I said, Nora, what does Santa do? And she said, he comes to your house in the middle of the night, and he takes your Christmas tree. (laughs) And that's because her only exposure has been the Grinch, right? So this is what she thinks Santa Claus is. So um, again, another plug for week two of our Sunday School series coming up here to find out who Santa Claus really was and his significance. But the point is, there ought to be a necessary change. When that switch turns on and we say, yeah, I believe, I believe in Jesus. He is the light of life. He is the light of all mankind. I mean, even in saying that, you're bearing witness to the light, right? Let's talk about three things that we learn about John in these first three verses. First of all, his identity. He is a man sent from God. We already talked about that significantly. Secondly, We see from his identity, his role, and there's a distinction there. What is his role? He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. Simple role. And then lastly, his purpose, his identity, a man sent from God, his role, a witness to the light, his purpose. What was the purpose? Look down at it. Somebody else tell me in verse eight. Seven, sorry. Yes, that all might believe through him. Can you imagine? We don't know conversations that the Holy Spirit had with John the Baptist, right? We don't get a whole lot of his story. We get his birth and then that time that he ran into Jesus before he was born and he jumped in the womb. And then we get that he's preaching, right? But can you just imagine the Holy Spirit speaking to John the Baptist and saying, you're not the light, but you're going to bear witness to the light so that all might believe. Now, what if I told you that today? You are not the light, but you're to bear witness to the light so that all might believe. And we're over here like, you know, I'd be really happy if like a couple people believed in the gospel because I shared it with them, right? I mean, I can count on half of my hand the people that I feel like I had a significant um, part in bringing them to Christ, right? And then, and then, you know, I would need a book to talk about the people that I know, either, either by my witness of the light or in my fear of bearing the light to them. I know that they've already rejected him. But John is here as one who is going to bear witness, and the purpose is that all might believe through him, sent from God, a witness to the light, so that all might believe. Well, our problem is not our effectiveness, brothers and sisters. Our problem is not... What we so often think when we get that excuse in our head, I can't bear witness to the light because I'm to this or I'm not that or they don't this or whatever, fill in the blanks for those sentences. Our problem is, as John has already laid out, darkness. God's creation, and that includes us, prefer to testify to either themselves or other things. Just think about this. When you have a light conversation before church starts, what's the easiest thing to tell somebody about? What happened in your past week? How have you been feeling? What's been going on? How's work? We talk about ourselves, and it's not to say that we come to church every Sunday and we say, I just can't wait to talk about myself, right? I don't imagine that for any of you, you you're speeding down the highway to get to church so that you can be all about you, 
That's not what I'm talking about necessarily here, although that is a temptation. And for many of us, it's a real problem. But even beneath that, we find a greater ease in simply saying, and, and how about this? In all my sermon illustrations, how often is Nora or Lucy the subject? It's so much easier to find a sermon illustration about my kids than to really think hard about a Winston Churchill illustration, right? Which is like the super popular one in reform circles right now. It's so much easier to bear witness about ourselves or about other things than the creator. The problem is that his creation is often overwhelmed by the darkness of the world that the light of life seems dim. And seems is an important word. Because we know, look at verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and, finish it please, the darkness has not overcome it. That's right. Darkness has not overcome it. So what is our problem? It seems like this light is dim. It seems like we can very easily shelter our eyes from this light and be distracted by other things and bear witness to those things instead. And, and friends, remember, in our conversation in the book of Judges about idolatry, most of the idols that we struggle with are good things in and of themselves, right? We love our kids. We love our marriages, our neighbors, our hobbies, um, our, the sports that we like to play or watch or whatever your preference is. We love all these good things, but they become idols when we love them too much, when we take a good thing and make it our God thing. And we cannot bear witness the way the light deserves. And remember, just like Elijah was a man like any of us, so John the Baptist was a man like any of us. Sure, he got to live a pseudo-monk lifestyle, right? Go out into the wilderness and wait for people to show up and then preach to them, right? I imagine that temptation looked a little bit different for him than it did for us. But I don't know that it was necessarily easier, because what happened when Jesus went into the wilderness? Answer that question, if you will. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, he, yes, that's really good. He got baptized just before that, right? But then he went into the wilderness, and what happened there? That's really good. Thank you. That, that was a good, good point, too. He was baptized, and so God confirmed who he was and sent him into the wilderness to be, it rhymes with tempted, yes, and if John spent his time in the wilderness, I imagine temptation was not far from him. I imagine that if he is to be this witness by whom all might believe in the light, I imagine the devil did not give him a break because he was living outside of society. I don't think we can escape the temptation of the darkness by being away from it or be, by being away from people. But again, remember, our identity simply sent from God in this context of being a witness. You might consider some of the things we know about John's importance. He had a massive impact in preaching to the Jews that came to be baptized. He gave bold warning against the legalistic Pharisees. He baptized Jesus. All sorts of things that he could put on his resume as the most important thing that he could use in conversation to answer that question, what do you do for a living? He might have very easily said, well, I'm a baptizer. I don't know if you've heard of me. I'm that weird camel-clothed guy that eats honey and wild locusts or locusts and wild honey. I'm the one who got to baptize Jesus. I'm the one who's preaching all those really great sermons out in the wilderness. That's not what we learned first about John the Baptist. He was commissioned by God. His role is very clear. And when we answer that question, what do you do for a living? Or if you're a student, what grade are you in? Or what are you studying? Wouldn't it be strange if instead we asked, 
instead of asking, what do we do for a living? We started asking something like, what do you live for? Boy, people would be so weirded out if you started asking that. Hi, my name's Nick. What's your name? Oh, okay, Bill. Uh, what do you live for? Instead of what do you do for a living, right? Or if you were a student, instead of saying, what are you studying? What if you asked, what do you want to know more about than anything else? What is most important to you? Because really, that is kind of the question, right? Our jobs, as we define ourselves so often, you know, what do you do for a living? What's your job? That so quickly becomes like the most important thing about us. Whether we want it to be or not, it's our go-to in conversation when we meet people. But what if we started asking this kind of question? And how would John the Baptist answer? Well, you see his answer in verse 20. In verse 19, he's asked, who are you? Basically, what do you do for a living? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Now, that'd be another weird thing to start conversations with, right? Hi, what's your name? I'm Nick. I'm not Jesus. Okay. But at the time, he was the forerunner, right? People were looking for Jesus. And so he says, look, here's the first thing you need to know. I am not Jesus. I'm bearing witness to the light, though. They said, are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. So they said to him, what, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. What a great answer. What are you all about? What does your life amount to? What do you live for? What is most important to you? Well, I'm a baptizer. I'm a preacher. I really like honey. None of that stuff. I am a voice crying out in the wilderness. Brothers and sisters, we can all answer that because where you live, the darkness of the world that we live in is a wilderness. Temptation exists. We are far from the city that we belong to. And John said in this wilderness, in this darkness, in the temptation and challenges that, that accompany it, I am a voice crying out, Merry Christmas. What if, what if Merry Christmas meant something different than simply a holiday greeting? But what if when we said it to each other because we want to celebrate the birth of Christ well, what if behind Merry Christmas what we were saying was, I hope that this season would find you in great joy and anticipation over all that God has given you in his son and out of great anticipation for his return. What if this was our purpose with each other and what if it was our purpose with others? Think about Isaiah 52, verses 7 through 10. This is the passage that dispels any of our fears that, well, people will think this way about me or they won't like this about me or whatever it is. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who publish peace, who bring good news of happiness, who publish salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Now, is there going to be rejection of this message? Yes, and we'll talk about that next week. But think about your identity, your role, and your purpose being simply this. You are sent from God to be a witness of the light so that all might believe. This is the desire of God's heart. This is, these three things show us something about him as well that is significant. And we'll get to that in a second. But we so often think it's not going to be received well. I can't talk to that one relative. I shouldn't even try to mention church or going to Christmas Eve Eve service. And hopefully that's far enough away from Christmas Eve that I won't have to bring it up when I get to Christmas Eve. We have all sorts of things that probably go through our heads. I know for me, at least. Maybe I'm just talking to myself here. I don't know. 
How beautiful are the feet of those who carry good news and who publish peace and bring good news. Friends, the world thinks that the gospel means bad news. It means you can't do all the things that you wish you could do before. It means you got to go to boring church every Sunday. It means you have to read a book every day. Oh my goodness. What a challenge for the millennial and Gen Y and Z, right? Read a paper book. Are you kidding me? But the good news, the gospel is good news. And that is what we are called to bring. And the message that John had revolved around that, the light, the word, the promised savior, the hero of all history, and how John spoke, his body language, maybe even his diet of locusts and honey, all pointed to that message that was central to his life. But very seldom do we consider in a regular, regular day what our identity is in this regard. We've been sent by God, and we need to repent of forgetting that. We don't think too often about what our role is. It's to bear witness to the light. And we need to repent of this. We forget what our purpose is, and that is that all might believe. And we need to repent of that as well. Because God has not sent you on a mission and turned your back around and sent you off that way so that he could giggle behind you while you fail. He is delighted by your bearing witness of the light of his son. As John said in Romans, or Paul said in Romans 1, rather, pardon me, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God to salvation, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We need to repent of all the things that the darkness has taught us about the gospel and believe the gospel. Believe that Jesus' coming was a gift and not a burden. Jesus said this. He said, be yoked with me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Is it hard to be a Christian? Yes, it is hard. But the joy outweighs all the challenges. Again, Paul says in Romans that he doesn't consider it worthy to think of all the turmoil and all the challenges that we face here. They don't even compare to the joy that waits us in eternity with Christ. So what do you believe about the Lord and about his commission to you this morning? True faith in the light of life must yield a desire to bear witness to that light, turning on the flashlight. If you picked up your flashlight at home and hit the on button and nothing happened, what would you do? What would you do? Yeah, simple as that. Just get new batteries, a new power source. And if you put batteries in it and it still doesn't work, throw that thing away, right? They're like two bucks. But God does not throw us away just because the batteries are dead, just because we don't have that right power source. We need to simply linger in the light of Christ again, just as we were called to last week. If that lingering happens, it should produce a significant change in us. The incarnate Christ is not only incarnate in heaven right now, but he's actually incarnate in that he abides in you. Remember, incarnate means in flesh, right? He's here in the physical. That, again, why I was, was why I was talking about picking up a physical Bible and recognizing, hey, these pages exist. This is an important book. It's meaningful, and it's here, and it's present physically. Christ is no less present now than he was before he ascended. If anything, he is all the more present because he abides in and with his people. What is this great message that we have? 
We who have sinned, we have defied and rebelled against God and the life that he gave for us to live. We deserve eternal punishment and separation from God. Brothers and sisters, you deserve that still today. Apart from Christ, if you didn't know him, you would be hopeless. If God changed his mind, and he never will, but if he changed his mind today and said, you know what, actually I do want to judge you based on your own merits, you wouldn't have a leg to stand on. I came across another great clip by John Piper um, from the gospel, uh, Together for the Gospel several years ago. And um, in it, he talked about how we, it's a very simple point. We need to put our faith simply in who Jesus is and what he has done for us at the cross. And one of the things that he brought up that sounded almost wrong at first was that we should not put our faith in what God has done in us. We're not saved by what God has done in us. We're not sure because of what he's done in us, but we're sure because of what he did at the cross. And what he did at the cross does apply to us. But our answer, again, if you put yourself in that simple scenario, standing before God in eternity, and if he were to ask you, which I don't think this is on the questionnaire entering eternity, but if he were to ask, why should I let you in? We couldn't even say, because you've given me your Holy Spirit, because I've cast out many demons, because I've, many, I've performed many miracles, because I went to church, and because you changed me, and because I'm different. No, it has to be simply on the work of Jesus, the light shining in the darkness casting out all of our sin, undoing all the evil work that we have done, and indeed making us new. Our faith is simply in Christ. And that's where it ought to be. The word, God himself, who made everything. He's become flesh. He's abiding with us. What are those three things that we learn from this message about who John is, about God then? First, because John was a, simply a man who was sent from God. We learned that the creator God's creative works are done for his purposes. He doesn't wind up a little toy and say, hey, go, go do whatever. Let me just see what you come up with. He's created you with a purpose, brothers and sisters. And you may find that purpose. You may, you may find the, that purpose existing in your setting of, of working at this place, living in this town, being related to that person, whatever those, those are all just settings, what you do for a living is not who you are. It's just the setting that you are in wherein you do what you were created to do. And the God who has created you has made you for his purpose. Secondly, like we talked about last week, that God is the speaking God. His plan is for his people to speak of his glory. And then thirdly, the redeeming God's desire is to abide with us. We bear witness of that what we have deemed most worthy in our lives. And indeed, it ought to be, right? But so often we think of other things. Let us resolve to resist the darkness of sin this Christmas season. At the very least, give it a try. Think about what darkness is doing in your life during Advent, leading up to Christmas. Can you resist that? Can you work against that? What do you have to do? What great work must you do in order to be useful to God? Just be his. That's it. Maybe in this moment you need to just stop and say, all right, Lord, I'm yours. I, I get it that witnessing is very essential to my Christian life. I can't do it on my own. But if you'll use me, then I'm here. Maybe that's all you need to say this morning. I know for me, that's most of what needs to be said. Do you want to please God? Bear witness to the light of life in Christ. 
as John the Baptist said, let your life mantra, as it were, be, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Romans 10, 14 through 17 says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom on whom they have in him of whom they have not heard. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. If there are people in your life who don't know Christ, they're there because you do, because you can bear witness to the light of Christ. You can bring the word of Christ that brings faith to them. You don't create salvation. You're just a man. You're just a woman. You're just a person called by God to bear witness to the light, the light that overcomes the darkness, the light that gives life to all people. Many people reject it, sure. But let me ask you this. Does that really have any weight in your decision about whether you should bear witness to the light or not? When you think about obeying this command of bearing witness to the light, does it really matter what people will think? You might, like me, be saying, yes, it does. And if you say yes to that, then you need to ask the next question. Should it? Should it make a difference? The answer to that must always be no. Because the light is shining in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. This is what you were created for, brothers and sisters, to bear witness to the light. And Christmas time should just simply be another tool in our belt to give us opportunity to bear that witness. Will you pray with me? Lord, we only have a hope of obedience. We only have a hope of even walk, sitting, standing up from our chairs in a few moments and thinking about obeying you. We only have that hope if you work and move in us this morning. But that hope that we have is not just a, a whim, just a, a thought, maybe this will happen. Lord, I think you make it very clear that you give grace to the humble. And if you indeed have called us as the rest of your creation is meant to give you glory, if you've called us as your church to proclaim that glory, to bear witness to it, to believe it ourselves and call others to believe in the light of life, then you will give us the means we need to make that happen. You will give us the means we need to be obedient and to be faithful to you who has never been faithless to us. Lord, let us not be motivated by guilt when we think about sharing the gospel. That will not produce lasting fruit. Guilt makes us think that we owe you something, that we could pay you back. And though we owe you our lives, we have nothing to offer. So we look to you now for the strength for the will, the desire, the joy to bear good news, to have beautiful feet, to proclaim peace in a world of darkness, to bring great joy to all the world around us so that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.